welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Noah Adelman, founder of Game Trace, the designers of the organizational inserts in many of our favorite games. Now, Game Trace Labs is creating games of their own. Their current title, Forsaken, is currently on Kickstarter. Noah, welcome back to The Binge. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, for those who don't know you, um, I would encourage them to go back to episode 34, if you can believe it. That's how long ago you were on The Binge. That was almost like two years ago. Talked a lot about Game Trace. Uh, for people that don't necessarily go back to that episode, can you do me a favor? Can you explain to people what Game Trace is as a company and kind of what you guys sure. do? Yeah, so started the company in 2013, uh, and there was a bunch of games out, just like there is now, that didn't have any storage solution or didn't have anything that was helping you like get rid of a bunch of Ziploc bags, basically. Mm. So I worked for a thermoforming company at the time, and I'm like, why not make some trays? that fit perfectly a specific game that I liked playing at the time, which was Terra Mystica, which was hot back then. <laughs> and it still is hot. It's back to being hot. I just at Gen Con, I saw the new deluxe edition, which looks pretty cool. Um, so I designed a tray that would fit all the pieces and some of the things that you could do during the game where you would have to set up a bunch of tokens on the table and everyone would have to like get out, out of their seat and find the right token whenever it was their turn to get the favor. Then it, it you had to set up every time and you had to get out of your seat. So I made a tray that put this all in one and you can hand that tray to someone, has a lid, but at the beginning of the game, you just pop the lid off and you're ready to play. Save like five minutes of time every time you played the game, which at the sure. time we played it quite a lot. So that was the start of it. And... Uh, so I was doing everything in the garage, making my own molds, making my own trays, shipping them out. And eventually at Gen Con, someone noticed me, a small company called Riot Games. And <laughs> they were like, we have this little game called League of Legends. I'm like, I, I didn't know what that is at the time. I'm like, what is League of Legends, right? Yeah. It's only the biggest video game in the world. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay, th uh, now, okay. So they hired me to do League of Legends, uh, the Mechs versus Minions uh, board game to make the trays for that, which took another year of my work. And once that came out, then everyone wanted trays in their board games to start with. So since then, we're in close to 200 other board games from dozens of publishers and it's been an awesome ride yeah and now we're starting on the board game side <laughs> well <laughs> certainly that kind of intel inside uh concept right like game trades inside uh, right. is is well recognized uh by most people in the industry especially gamers obviously mm -hmm. know uh game trades and it goes beyond just having like a tray that organizes your pieces right, right. like it i mean when we went through in the last podcast and you're talking about how you design some of these things and you know it's not theoretical you're often getting the actual pieces and you guys are sure. designing around that and making sure everything is totally. just perfect and then not just that tray but then multiple trays and how they all kind of fit and organize into the box so that everything just packs up perfect yeah, which exactly. someone like myself has got a bit of ocd i mean it's a dream right uh there's nothing yep. worse than the little ziploc bags in, in in your board game um 
hopefully manufacturers are not doing that anymore. You still see the odd game where well, you're like, yeah, really, guys? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm, all, I'm only one man, so <laughs> I, I do have staff and help. Yeah, but employees. even throw like a thermal form tray or something in there, right? But yeah, it still shocks me when you see games that uh, have like the little baggies. Um, it just takes away from the experience, right? I, I think you're right. You want to make sure you can set up quickly, right? And get at the game and then put it away so that you're ready to go next time you pull the game out. Nothing more frustrating than spending as much time setting the game up as you're actually playing the game itself, right? Exactly. So it's if you're going to be able to get the game to the table in five minutes versus 15, you're going to want to play that game more often. And yeah. It's just how it is. If you have a bunch of games on the shelf... The one that's going to take five minutes to set up so your friends don't want to leave right away. <laughs> that's the one you're going to pull out. Boom, it's ready to go. Let's play. So it's definitely part of it. Yeah. And now your company has grown quite a bit, even through COVID, right? Like uh, last we talked, uh, you know, the team was much smaller. Can you talk a little bit about how you've grown as a company and how you guys have kind of staffed up? Yeah, so we've had, uh, I've had staff and employees over the last eight, eight years and maybe yeah. the last four years, some uh, more employees. Once we started to decide that we wanted to do a game, our own game with Game Trays in mind, uh, and start Game Trays Lab, which is our publishing arm, we added a few more people as well. So more marketing, uh, we added uh, our in-house designer, Mike Mahelsik, um, and a bunch of other designers, artists, graphic artists, things like that. So people that will help us make do the whole package, basically, not just game trays, yeah, not just engineering, which is what the core of game trays is, is engineering. Yeah, and, and you know when you think of that, it's like it is. It is about engineering, right? And you know people might think, oh, a tray is simple. You just throw a couple pieces in. You're snapping a lid on. Like, what's the big deal? Uh, it, it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's, like it's hard. <laughs> it takes a long time, right? Like how long is it? Like what's your, your, your development period to create like a typical tray for a game from when they say, okay, you know, we want game trays in our box to the moment when you actually have those files ready to go. Like how long sure. is that? It, it depends a lot on the game. So a lot of these games behind me or most of these games behind me are ones that I've done trays for, but you can see ones that have one tray in it versus ones that have 20 different trays in it like eclipse second dawn or something like that mm -hmm. so though that particular project was one of the longest design processes of game trace history was eclipse second dawn which has so many trays and so many intricate interworking pieces that it took a long time so 100 100 plus hours of work of actual logged time so it could be 20, it can be 10, it could be 50, it could be 30, around there, you know, as far as engineering hours go, 3D modeling, mold design, getting it to the factory, working with prototypes, making sure that everything worked how we thought it was, and then getting the production files ready, off to people. Now, how do you build, like, is it based, like, when you're billing, is it based on an hour? Is it based on a project? Like, how do you guys kind of set your rates? Because when you're getting into, like, the thousands of hours, you know, like, that's got to be tough to kind of quote. And sometimes I imagine when you're in these projects, um, you know, you might anticipate it's going to take X amount of time, and then it mm -hmm. takes way longer, right? So how do you guys figure out how to kind of build that? Basically, we're 
we're, we've gotten pretty good at knowing how much time it's going to take to do a specific yeah. tray or a mold. Each each tray we design is considered a mold because that we design the tooling for the, that specific tray, mm-hmm. not just here's how the tray is going to look and then have production company figure out how to make it. We go and give them the exact tool file to go straight to tooling and straight to production. So they, oh, don't, wow. have to, they don't have to do that engineering part that sometimes can mess things up if it's not done correctly. Mm-hmm. So um, there's two parts to that. Basically, we have we, we know how much it takes to make a tray of this size and how many different compartments and things we're going to store into it, how many custom stuff has to be in each tray. And the lid also is a, another tray, basically. So a lid is a, another mold and tool that we have to design for any specific tray system. So we're pretty good at estimating what we're going to do or what we think it's going to do. Um, and our hours have gone down, like you mm. know, something that took me 10 hours before takes me three hours now because it's just faster and more efficient. And so our hourly rate goes up, but our hours go way down. So it's like, we can get a lot more stuff done. I'm sure you've established a bit of a shorthand in some cases too, right? On how to do certain it's things. Some, so that, some things, but yeah. you know, it's still a lot of, a lot of very custom work. It's, it's, it's a 80, 90% fresh new custom 3d modeling and design work. So there's a few things like I can make a card that's, I'm going to use the, the same card model in every game that has a poker card in it. Right? Sure. So, yeah. but that's you not know, like five, five seconds to make a card in 3d modeling so taking that and then making it work within the whole tray system is another story so are you still getting hit with surprises do you find yeah every time like uh, a lot of fun things to trying to expand uh new thing come up with new ideas that will help the game even better uh, and work within the production world and how things are actually made uh, not only for how the tool is made, but how the tray is made and how it will ship, making sure that it will uh, support everything for shipping and after you get the game and punch everything out. Um, so it's always a challenge to work with so many different production companies Yeah, that we've worked with so many now, So and a lot of them more than 10 times. So people know, or production companies and that we've worked with know what we expect as, yeah. as a company. So it's it, it's definitely always getting easier. Uh, but every once in a while, they send you a, a sample that's perfect, and then during production, they have a batch of plastic that was a tenth of a millimeter thinner than you expected, and the lid yeah. doesn't snap anymore. So it, just, it happens. It's just... Uh, and you guys are brokering the discussions like with those end uh, like producers of the trays. So you, you guys will take that role on for the, for the manufacturer. We definitely help. Oh, we definitely, you know, interface with them because most publishers don't know the intricacies of the thermoforming process and what questions you need to ask to make sure that yeah. they do it right. You know, not that it's, it's not that they couldn't, it's just, they don't really care and they shouldn't <laughs> they shouldn't care but i know uh, that's part of the the value of game trays is we will make sure that the production company is making the tray 
how we want it and how everyone else likes it and how uh, our customers want to see it and what we've become known for, I guess. Yeah. Because so you... even if we do an awesome design for a game, if they produce it incorrectly and it's cracking, things aren't uh, correct and things don't fit, it's, it looks bad on not just them, but also the game trays. Yeah, your name's all over, name, right? Right. Yeah. And then how did, where did game, uh, game trays labs, where, where did that evolve from? So this is something, you know, I was just saying just before we went on air mm -hmm. that, um, for people who aren't like most people know what game trays are, obviously. Um, but people who aren't necessarily following you closely may not be aware of what, you know, the extension of that company, uh, is and kind of where it came from. So can you talk a little bit about the game trays labs and kind of how that formed and what that's all about? So just being a part of so many publishers, other games, right? Mm -hmm. Over close to 200 games that I've been in now. And being uh, you know, not just clients, but friends now of in the board game industry of publisher world with so many different publishers that I've always wanted. I mean, obviously I love games and mm -hmm. why not do what they're doing at the same time that I'm making trays. So two and a half years ago, uh, this, I've always been asking all the publisher friends that I have and clients that I've worked with, hey, do you want to design a game under the Game Trays name and publish it? And I'll publish it knowing everything that I know and make it a Game Trays-centric game. I've asked pretty much everyone that I've worked with. <laughs> and then the, the first person to say, yes, let's do it was Travis Chance. Um, mm. At the time he worked with, uh, he was working with Colossal Games and uh, then he's like, well, I'm ready to move on. Let's do this. And we started two and a half years ago, right before COVID started, designing Forsaken. At the time, the only thing that I told him, I want this cool dice tower tray to be part of the game, make a game around that, basically. Yeah. So this is what it's turned into, and it's been two and a half years later, mostly because of COVID being, but also it's a very long, a very big game, a lot of story. A lot of work, a lot of uh, cool things that that have come out of this this project. Sure. It, it turned into Forsaken, but so that was basically the the start of it. it. Was like, hey, I've done a lot of things for games. Why don't I do my own, right? And I don't know how to design games, but I know how to make trays, and I know a lot about the process. So let's figure it out. So that's cool. So Game Trays Labs is essentially an incubator for other uh, companies, game or designers, game ideas, where you take it and say, okay, we're going to publish it for you. You design the game. We're going to make it cool as hell with uh, with the Game Trays uh, designs that you guys bring to the table. I'm going to show these in a second, and they are super cool. So we're going to show those on screen. Um, and how do you how many do you have in in the hopper? Like, do you have a number of games right now in the hopper that come after Forsaken, or or what's the plan? So the plan is, we don't know what's going to happen. So mm. the plan was, see how Forsaken is going to do. And obviously, it's doing really well. At yeah. least in my mind, I think it's doing really well. It's uh, far exceeded my expectations. And people really seem to like it. We only have like a week left on the campaign. So we expect uh, some really cool things to happen in the last week with the, some of the announcements that we're going to do. Yeah. But um, as far as things in the hopper what we want to do is design some things internally and also take a lot of ideas that people are pitching to us that would fit in with games that game trays would really 
help mm. make th- not only storage, but in gameplay, uh, getting to the table faster, right? Thing games that might not be that popular without trays, right? And we've been in a part of a lot of those games over the years. Yeah, uh, just because people have come to us and said, "Hey, we got this game that takes forty-five minutes to set up. Can you make it ten minutes?" And I'm like, "Sure, okay, whatever, I'll try." And then now it's a good game because it's ten minutes to set up instead of forty-five minutes. That's yeah. just one example, but also like the reckoners where each player has their own tray and all of the different bosses have their own tray, which helps uh, enter or change out a lot of different things that could happen in different scenarios in the game. Anything that a tray would help out with yeah, extraordinarily in a game is a, is a game that we're interested in looking at. Yeah. Well, I think to say that uh, Forsaken is, uh, has been successful so far is a bit of an understatement. I mean, if I look at your page right now, I'll put this in Canadian dollars. It's the only way I can see it. Uh, $471,000 you've done so far. Still a week to go. And we all know with Kickstarter, there's always a hockey stick on the back end. Um, so you guys are going to be uh, in, a, in a very good spot when this thing is done. Uh, 2,296 backers uh, still with nine days to go um congrats on that i mean that is thank you that is awesome for the first published game um yeah you know i think that speaks volumes to uh what you guys bring to the table in terms of visuals the table presence on this uh, game is what i would call a showpiece right so often (laughs) when you're at game night you see different games but there's always that game somebody pulled out and people say "Ooh, what's that right they want to kind of go over and look at it and it's what you call like a showpiece, right? There's like, there's so much going on and it's just basically a feast for the eyes. And this some is, table presence. Yeah, some table presence for <laughs> sure. And this is no different. So kind of at the top, can you explain what is Forsaken? So the what do you mean by this open sandbox? Can you describe kind of what the game essence is? Sure. It's, it's an open world sandbox, meaning you can do a lot of different things in the game it's there's no specific path that you can that you have to take in order to win the game it's a competitive game but you're you're on a you're on a a deserted outer planet basically in a solar system that was uh strip mined basically by the big industries that uh, had the resources to get everyone out there and set up camps and strip those planets and moons for whatever they could and then they just up and left and left a whole bunch of people there that were working and they were the they are now the forsaken so mm-hmm. they basically don't have the means or way to get off the planet that they're way out you know on the outer skirts of the solar system so they have to do with what they got and now it's it's a wasteland of stripped out resources and things happen right so there's factions that that have that, that brew up and gangs and you can basically uh, you take on a role of a person that is or alien or robot um, that will try to get enough fame or infamy on the planet or during their trek and during their story to make a name for themselves and that's what you're trying to do and everyone has their own story so it's a very story driven game at the same time of being an open world game so every character you can be has their own story path and there's branching stories for each character that every time you play that character it'll be different and not only that the other players that you're playing with the other characters and also what 
interactions you have on the planet will change the game during the game only. It's not a permanent, there's no permanent changes to the game. It's not a, a legacy or a mm. campaign type game, but you will see very drastically different games every time you play um, because of the encounters that you come across on the planet and what choices you make for those encounters, let alone your own character story. So it's a lot of cool things. Uh, you can do a lot of different things. Basically, that's the open world sandbox yeah. type type explanation. But it's really and, cool. I mean, it's awesome. And then you're looking at about sixty minutes per player play time. Uh, I'm showing the player board uh, on screen here. I mean, it is super cool. Yeah, the so, player board. Yeah. Yeah. So you had this, and I'll try to use some words to kind of describe it to people that are listening. But you've got the plastic board, and then the artwork is modular. So depending on the character you pick, you're kind of plugging it into the board. And all of a sudden the board goes from being basically just looking like a single color plastic to this really rich, multi-leveled, multi-compartment um, kind of player experience in front of you where different things mm -hmm. plug it in in different spaces and you've got counters and so forth, yeah. which just looks uh, sweet. Mean, <laughs> it looks sweet. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way to say it. It, lo it looks awesome. And then when you go one step further, and then you've got these kind of world boards. Can you explain the world board? So you're playing with your player board, but then are you actually mm -hmm. moving characters in this yes. kind of world board? How does that work? So that is the board, the world. There's the plant. There's the main planet theory, and yeah. then there's two, two. There are two moons. So you oh, can moons. Okay, walk gotcha. around the planet and shuttle around to the moons that have their own uniqueness to them, and events that uh, are isolated on the moons mm -hmm. but the cool thing is is if you come across something on one of the moons an event that happens that you make a choice it could affect things on other planets or on the main planet or the other moons or the planet the moon that itself so depending on what happens if you fight someone or if you try to fight someone and they and you don't defeat it then he might run off to the other moon and then someone mm. may encounter that guy but that only happens if you come across that one encounter uh, on that moon in that play session, right? Yeah. So, and then you may not see him again, or you may see him again, or someone else may see that same guy on another planet, but you wouldn't unless you first encountered him and didn't defeat him. If you did defeat him, you might get a weapon or something like that. Uh, a lot of cool things that we've been able to do with that kind of uh, story-driven, but one play you know, aspect of the game. Every game starts the same, except for the characters that you choose. So, yeah. And it just branches off in infinite always, number of different ways, exactly. right? Exactly. And then this this dice tray, I got I got to talk about this. So uh, again, I'm showing it on screen here. Can you walk us through, so you've created this dice tray, which I, I don't know if this is a new design or if this just I haven't seen it, but where you have these kind of cascading levels yes. and depending on where the die stops, mm -hmm. that then kind of impacts the value, I guess, of it. Is that yeah. is that something you guys came up with or is that like, is this is, is yeah. new for me? But yeah. Yeah, it's new. I mean, it's there's a lot a few games that this, the, the, the zone that mm -hmm. dice uh, will spill Land out into, of. Yep. Right, we'll have different cavities or, or zones, but this is the first time I've seen it, at least where there's actual tiered. Yeah. Uh, where they'll tumble down. 
Um, uh, you can also, I don't know if you guys can see my video feed also at the same time, but I've got the, the tray here, the actual tray, and I could show you how it works. But basically, you are dumping them in, and then based on the tiers plus the value of the die, so the die yep. have basically crits, critical hits. So that will double the tier that it's on. So each tier has a value for uh, power and damage and you're always doing a not always but sometimes most of the time you're doing a one versus one uh, battle or mm -hmm. test so one person takes one color dice one person takes another color dice and their dice pool is built off of their gear and uh, different cards that they play so at, once you figure out the power you dump them in, and then based on the result of the tiers yeah. and the dice, that's figures out who wins. And there's a lot of cool gear cards that let you re-roll other people's dice or your own dice. So if someone got down to the really awesome high-powered tier and you've got a card, you could pick out that awesomely rolled dice and have them re-roll that in the tower, which probably will make it not go down as far, which is the further it goes down the tier, the, the more powerful it is in general so yeah cool it's, it, it, it is so cool yeah uh, you can also move dice up a tier or down a tier a lot of different ways we can manipulate the dice after the roll which is cool yeah and then i mean and i was saying this before we went on here too um like this kickstarter page goes on literally forever like i, I it's got to be one of the longest it's kickstarter getting longer pages. it's getting longer there's so yeah. much on here um but it's it's worth the scroll man because like you know, you start getting into like the minis and, and, uh, you know, these player tokens and then, you know, the, the currency markers and all these kind of things, it just goes on and on and on. And then if you want to watch playthroughs, there's different people showing playthroughs. You guys must've been like, obviously two years, uh, you've been two and a half years, you've been working on kind of publishing your own game, mm -hmm. but the amount of content that's in this game, like yes. the game itself must have started before two years ago. Is that is that the case, or is this whole thing came together in two years? All fresh, all, all the new, writing and everything. Everything. That's yeah. insane. The whole world building, everything started yeah. with. Hey, I want to do a cool dice tower with tears. That's that was the start. That's basically it. <laughs> and then this happened. Right? So it definitely was all new. It's all new. It's all new. That is crazy. All the stories, and we've got like 120,000 words of content. Yeah. And one of the tiers on our on our campaign is a foreteller tier, which is another company similar to Game Trays, not dis not dissimilar to Game Trays, where they yeah. add on to a lot of good games. Like I add on, like Game Trays adds on to a lot of good games. Yep. They add on voice acting work. So they're going to read basically every word that we wrote, not only on the cards, but in the book that you look up results from, and it'll be professionally voice acted from Hollywood stars. And you'll be able to use an app and basically read the card and, and it will then choose what you actually chose. And then it will read the result instead of you having to page through it and read it aloud. If you like to do that, you obviously can do that still, but yeah, and when uh, if people check out the page, you can see that there's uh, well, you can actually hit play, and you can get like um, like kind of yeah, a, a demo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was listening to that. It, it's really well done. It really well done. Yeah. Um. So, how has the shipping impacted you guys? So you've been working on this, 
the past two Not and a half years. Well, it hasn't yet, but I'm sure in your, fore- in your forecasting, you've had to kind yeah. of plan for this, right? So when you have a game like this, which has got a lot of stuff in it, there's a lot of weight. Um, what kind of plans, did you, mitigation plans did you guys put in place just to kind of cover that off and make sure you weren't going to get caught? We, yeah, so luckily we're not shipping till closer to the end of next year. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We already are seeing a lot of drops. Yeah. A lot of relief and stuff. Which is nice. Uh, But we wanted to give the backers the the lowest price possible for shipping, basically our cost or lower, but we, 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 we tried to, we, what we did was we made a promise that we won't charge anything more than what we're getting charged, but also up to a certain percentage. So if I actually don't remember the actual percentage, I think it's like 20, 25%, you will never pay more than that above the shipping rates that we're charging you during mm-hmm. the, uh, the campaign. So, and we will never ask for more money, basically that, hey, we can't fulfill this order. We can't it's so expensive we didn't do a good job uh we need more money we we promised in our in our uh, shipping terms and service that we will not ever ask for more money once you've fulfilled or finished your your pledge manager and mm-hmm. we also said that you will never be um charged more than 20 or 25 percent above what you what we estimated the shipping would be at yeah. this point because we don't know what the shipping is going to be a year from now, right? So, yeah, hopefully it's lower. I think we're all crossing our fingers, right? Exactly. I mean, and hopefully it can't get hope. worse. <laughs> hopefully it, it, it can't it can, get worse. It, it can definitely get worse, but we won't like double it. That's basically our promise. On yeah. The and that was what we tried. That was what we came up with as something that would uh, ease mine. And, I, and if you look at our shipping rates, they're very, very Yeah, they, they seem quite reasonable. Um, what are things such a big that, game? I mean, look at this box; it's huge, right? Yeah, it's the, massive. the box. The box will get smaller, just like I normally do for most games. Yeah, that I work on. It always is at the last minute where I impact the Tetris and... thing, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm showing on the screen here the actual pledges. Uh, what I found interesting is most of the most pledges is on your top level, like give me everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So congrats on that. I mean, that speaks to the fact that people are, when they're in, they're all in right They're They don't yes. want to kind of dabble. They, they want the full, full experience, which is super awesome. And then number of people that have actually jumped in saying, give me access to the pledge manager. Um, that's a huge number of people that are saying they want access to the pledge manager and I don't, what I'm trying to figure in my mind is this people that are kind of waiting to see what else you're going to release. Cause you guys keep doing announcement day after day after day, there's something mm-hmm. else that you're, you're, you're announcing and, or, mm-hmm. or kind of what's generating that. I'm not really sure, but um, I mean, if, you know, a quarter yeah. of them actually convert into backers, I mean, sure. this is a massive campaign. Like, I mean, it's already massive, but then it's like crazy massive. Right. Exactly. And there's a lot of, theories about that <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot of them are waiting to the last few days to decide yeah. um uh, or they're if they don't pledge during the campaign and then during the pledge manager they're going to be able to purchase the game still it's not going to be the exact same deal that they get during the campaign yeah but they'll at least have that chance if they uh decide that or can uh, purchase the game at that point so 
there's a lot of different reasons why people do the dollar the dollar pledge yeah and we'll know more at the end right to see how many of those people decided that that we've given them enough value yeah. that they want to back and there's a lot of other cool things that we're going to have in the pledge manager that won't even be in the uh the campaign a lot of game trace products like that oh, okay, yeah. is things that a lot of people see in pledge managers but we've got a lot of products that people like uh that people are going to get good deals on um during the pledge manager just for being a backer of forsaken that's a good point too right like i imagine mm -hmm. there's a number of people that are saying you know what maybe forsake is not right for me but i know that i'm gonna get a crazy deal on some amazing add-ons that i can use in my other games so i'm gonna I, I want to be in that pledge manager to just get access to that. Exactly. And we've got a lot of cool trays. So these are X trays or these yep. are Y trays. These are the new version, which is like the slightly bigger version of the game trays, the X trays. So the smaller ones, mm -hmm. so they're twice as wide. And we, there will be getting some of those in their copy of forsaken because we're going to use them as part of the storage solution. But, but that will be something new that people could buy during the campaign. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Well, no, uh, I want to congratulate you on your success with this. This is amazing. Certainly, it's a testament to the quality of work that you guys have put out there in the industry. Uh, you're well beloved by most in the industry, I would say. Uh, just the <laughs> amount, the number of games you guys have touched and enhanced, quite frankly, and made our lives better, not having to burn a bunch of time reorganizing things. So, I want to thank you for that. And uh, I want to wish you all the best this coming year. I can't wait to see where this campaign uh, finishes off. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. No worries. You take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.